Hey everybody, welcome to episode 29 of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam, and I am joined yet again by my dear, dear friend, Mr. Nicholas Jose Coates. What's up? Hello, Cameroon. How are you today? You know, I'm good. I had a three-hour nap this afternoon, which I feel like borders on actual sleep and not napping, but I feel awesome because of it. So thank you for asking. I hope that How are you? you were able to fall asleep tonight. You guys jumped ahead an hour last night with the rest. You didn't? No, we did. Did you guys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay. That's, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'll probably go to bed early tonight because of that. Well, and I had to, I played guitar at church this morning, so I had to get to church at 8 a.m., which was really 7 a.m. Right. Yeah, they don't, uh, they don't warn you about the perils of kids and daylight savings time. <laughs> I feel like if I knew that, I would have voted against this <clears throat> because when I was... When I didn't have anything to worry about, that was fine. I enjoyed the extra sunlight, but that really messes up bedtimes. Oh, I imagine, <clears throat> yeah. So, which transitions well into dad college. That was fun last week. Indeed, right? yes. Dear dear Mendoza Line listeners, Super Megacorp has a brand new show. It's called Dad College, and it's a show that I host with Dave who is the host of Masterclass and It's a Trap with me, but also with with this here Nicholas fellow that you guys have come to love over the last 28 episodes. Um, so if you're out there and you're a dad, you should check that show out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, episode two comes out. Well, by the time this comes out, it will have come out. Uh, so you should check it out. Don't you think, Nick? Yeah, expanding our boundaries a little bit. We're more than, we we love baseball, but we're more than that. We are dads, so... That was a very enjoyable experience, and um, that's a fun little project that we're excited to see where that goes. But as we were talking about that, like I thought that would be a pretty good segue into a little promotional. Yeah, you, sir, have now become a professional podcaster where you're, you're able to segue into plugging your own shows. I applaud you. <laughs> well done. It only took a little over a year, but I've made it. Indeed, indeed. It's nice to... It's nice to know that you can talk the talk and walk the walk. Nick, you are a professional podcaster now. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, Ken. <laughs> that, sounded, that sounded condescending. It was not meant to be. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't take it that way at all. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Well, it has been a couple weeks since our kickoff episode, um, but we're going to jump right Indeed. back in here. We are moving right along almost halfway through March in the thick of spring training. Only three weeks away from opening night in baseball which is very very exciting i uh, i feel a little bad we were i was a little cocky a couple weeks ago talking about how warm it was i just was telling you before we started recording about how we're supposed to get a foot of snow here in the northeast on tuesday but that will not <laughs> diminish my spirits uh spring is still right around the corner uh, despite the amount of snow that's on the way so i will stay optimistic but how about let's jump right into this episode Let's do it. Hey, bada 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 so wing bada. Hey, bada 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 so wing bada. Kennedy, 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 so wing bada. All right, so what's the count? So we have a strike one right down the middle here. The World Baseball Classic has been pretty awesome. Have you been able to watch any of it? Uh, admittedly, I have not watched any of it. I have kind of kept up on the scores and the news a little bit, but I've not actually been able to watch any of the games, unfortunately. Yeah, I've I've only watched parts of a few. 
um, due to the weird hours of some of the games. I know they're very, very late at night, early in the morning uh, on the ones and playing in Japan. But I have watched a little bit more of the, the U.S.'s pool, Pool C. So I saw them, I saw the end of their win against Columbia. Um, Adam Jones got a, a walk-off hit. And then I watched Andrew Miller uh, blow a two-run lead last night against the Dominican Republic, which was whoops, pretty epic. But it was it was interesting to hear the announcers talking about you know Andrew Miller, and you know it felt like a playoff atmosphere, but you could tell that Andrew Miller was not at midseason form. They were just talking about his slider, how it was, yeah, not. I mean, you don't really start throwing your your breaking pitches. Um, and expect him to be, you know, in midseason form at this early part of spring training. So, just talking about the difference in when ma- when major league hitters, you know, you have a lineup there of Nelson Cruz and Jose Bautista. Um, that when those pitchers know that you don't have your best secondary stuff, they can just sit on your fastball, and it makes even the most dominant of pitchers, you know, Andrew Miller, who almost won the World Series last year by himself. Get just get lit up last night. Um, just give up a couple. You know he gave up two bombs. Um, to uh, Nelson Cruz hit a slider that did not break very much. Just destroyed it to left field. And this is Marlins Park too, one of the biggest stadiums in baseball. And then Starling Marte took him opposite field to. Um, he had to blow the game for the U.S. But. Uh, last I checked, they were up like seven to nothing on Canada. So it's cute that it's cute that oh, Canada. it's cute that the Canadians are trying to play baseball and not just stick you know stick to hockey. But if the uh, U.S. holds on there, they will they will advance <laughs> to the next round with the uh, Dominican Republic. Um, so it looks like they're <clears throat> they'll join the the pool with. Um, uh, yeah, the Dominicans already made it, and then Puerto Rico is undefeated, um, and then look, Venezuela will probably be there as well. But the other pool has already been determined; they're already starting the second round. So Israel is actually four and zero right now, which is incredible. Which is incredible because it's all it's all a bunch of you know <laughs> has been. It's like Jason Marquis is pitching for the, for them, and uh, really? Ike Davis, and j- just guys that just aren't like major league stars anymore and they're undefeated they beat cuba in the first uh, round of uh in the first game of the second round so okay time out real quick mm-hmm. ike davis and jason marquis are american guys why are they playing for israel well so with they would i don't think they would be able to field competitive teams if they just base it off of nation of being you know where people were born like i think probably world the uh, world cup is like that but um yeah i know that so i think manny machado was born in the u.s but his parents are dominican so he plays for the dominican team so i think it's more of like who you um identify with uh, or descent so Right, but our, my my my, <clears throat> my question is: Is do they have Israeli passports? Like, are they Israeli? Are they dual citizens, or they're just because, like in the in the World Cup for soccer, you cannot play for a national team unless you are a citizen of that country. You know, you really put me on the spot here because I don't know. No, I'm just curious because it 
Israel does not strike me as a hotbed for baseball. And Marquis is a French name, and Ike Davis is about as American as you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just curious. Like maybe you know their mothers were Israeli, and that's how they have that connection. And and you know obviously the last name comes from their dad. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to you know put you on the spot. I'm just really curious because. 4 and 0 is impressive at the World Baseball Classic, let alone when it comes from a country like Israel, who is, uh, let's be honest, not known for their baseball acumen. Right. Well, I'm looking up um, the baseball team, and then I'll try to, in the, the course of the show, look up the rules. But it seems to be just a more of a descent thing. Like, I don't know if they necessarily have to have a passport or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I know, like, for the... For a few other teams, I mean, it, it's not just Israel, it's um, other teams as well where that's uh, in place as well. So just looking at the roster, so the only the names that I recognize, um, Craig Breslow, I think he, yeah, he's a relief pitcher in the Twins, you know, nothing special. Ike Davis, who he's still in the Dodgers organization, evidently. I don't know how much he or how much he'll actually be playing in the majors this year. Uh, Cody Decker for the Brewers. Scott Feldman, he's going to be pitching for the Reds. Uh, Sam Fold. Um, um, yeah, there's just, well, I mean, it's just crazy. Like, most of these guys I've never heard of. They're not, <clears throat> they're prospects or, you know, lower, lower ring. Um, Jason Marquis is a free agent. He's not even on a team. Uh, and that this team is four and zero in the World Baseball Classic, so pretty cool, pretty cool story. Uh, just the fact that they haven't lost, you know, I, I don't, I still don't think that they're going to be able to beat a, a team like Japan, who has all these na- you know high level nationals that are playing or anything like that. But pretty cool to to see what they're doing so far in the World Baseball Classic, and the games have just been so much fun um, to watch, like the all the. The games in the Miami were the, you know, the pool with the Americans and Dominicans, and I guess the Dominican crowd has just been, it's just been in like an insane atmosphere uh, for people at the game, and just a lot of writers who follow it just have been making comments on that. So I think it's pretty cool. It's cool for baseball, just a really unique thing that you know I admittedly I don't even remember following the one that was four years ago. I remember the one eight years ago a little bit because. It was spring break of in college senior year, and I remember Adam Dunn was on that team, so I had a vested interest because of he was playing first base and struggling mightily because <laughs> he couldn't really play anywhere else. But um, yeah, it's pretty cool to see just just how cool and how fun those games have been, the storylines that have emerged. Um, I might try to start watching a little bit more of it now that we're getting into the later stages of it, but. But yeah, pretty cool. I would advise if anyone is really, you know, struggling with the spring training games and how casual or they can be to check out the World Baseball Classic and just see how it's a, you know, pretty high level of baseball that they're playing. I wish the concept of spring training uh, translated to other um, work 
You know, like imagine if every spring everyone at your job just kind of yeah, you got like six weeks to took get in like shape. took took yeah, <laughs> six weeks where everything is kind of just like all right, back to the basics. We're gonna relax. We're all gonna drink a beer in between innings. Like we're just mm-hmm. gonna <laughs> we're all gonna pretend like we're re gearing for the coming year. Uh, that would be genuinely mm-hmm. hysterical. You know, like if 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 Congress was like, and it's spring training, <laughs> we're just we're just gonna pretend to be real Congress. I, I think we would all be better at our jobs <laughs> if we got that that ability. So, all right. So I, I the World Baseball Classic eligibility rules are more flexible um, than those governed by most federated international competitions, including the Olympics. So by the WC WBC rules. A player is essentially allowed to compete for a nation if he fulfills the criteria whereby he would be eligible to become a citizen of that country. Um, okay, so they have to at least be eligible, eligible but they right. don't have to be citizens. So Israel kind of benefits from that if you're, yeah, basically if you're Jewish, um, if you have Jewish. Well, Jewish by faith or Jewish, Jewish I, by ethnicity? Um, it seems to be... Religious status is one part of it, but I would think, I don't know. That's, I mean, that's a kind of a unique situation, but. Oh, very much um, so, very much so. The nation's law of return allows anyone with a Jewish grandparent, parent, or spouse to become a citizen. Okay, so it's like the Irish uh, citizenship rules. If if you can prove that your uh, mother, father, or paternal or maternal grandparents were yeah. Irish citizens, you can get an mm-hmm. Irish passport. And I miss out on that by one oh, generation. That's a bummer. I know. Now, if those same rules applied in Scotland, I could have a Scottish passport because both my grandmother and my grandfather uh, came over from Scotland in the 50s. So here's hoping, here's hoping that Brexit happens <laughs> and Scotland, Scotland secedes from the United Kingdom and joins the EU and then Bada boom, bada bing. I've got an EU yeah. passport and I can travel. But that's not baseball related. Well, so let's it, move on. That's just they, a, that's just a pipe. They dream, mentioned folks, that the, the MLB did this, or you know, whoever organized the WBC, with the idea of you know they want to expand the game globally. So it doesn't make sense to have you know where you think about baseball. They all come from a few countries: the U.S., Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. Venezuela, so it's like you'd only have maybe six or six to eight legitimate teams, whereas this gives you a chance to, you know, get Israel involved, get uh, maybe even China, just the Netherlands, yeah, Italy, uh, all these different countries. And I think it's a good idea. I mean, you're never going to have a plethora of talent coming from those places, but at least gets it on the map to to countries that just gains some interest in it. it's a smart idea, so it's cool. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see where Israel's luck runs out. And that uh, that Dominican team, the Dominican team, the Puerto Rico team, pretty stacked with MLB stars. Those would be my favorites at this point. But, yeah, I'll be uh, watching when I can. Indeed. So uh, up next, after our first strike, apparently – uh, we've lost a bit of control, and we throw a ball here. Uh, would you would you detail in um, painful 
<laughs> well, painful ways. The the red starting pitching woes for me. So the news came today that Anthony Disclafani, so our most established consistent major league pitcher. Does he play for Italy in the World Baseball Classic? He probably could, but he does not currently. Okay. <clears throat> he, he's he been dealing with some elbow soreness, and it resurfaced today, so he's going to go back and get some tests, which is never good. So the Reds came into the year, you know, kind of banking on him and Homer being the two more established veterans to lead the staff. So at this point, uh, Brennan Finnegan it will probably be our opening day starter, who has all of one year of major league experience and then they're going to yeah fill it in with the likes of scott feldman bronson arroyo has a decent chance to make the team he was topping out at 87 miles an hour today but did pitch two innings of uh scoreless baseball so he's a maybe he's going to be crafty enough to fill up some innings for us and then basically after that it's going to be filled up by you know prospects so the inexperience on the reds starting pitching staff this year, especially starting off, is going to be pretty incredible just how little experience um, those those players will have. So it'll be important for, you know, if Bronson makes the team now, which the odds are pretty good, just having his experience to be able to impart on pitchers because pitching is so difficult when you – because you're going to have games where you just get let up and just a big part of the battle is maintaining confidence in yourself and in your stuff to – brush it aside and come back five days later and um, pitch again. So just having some of those voices in the clubhouse that have done it before are going to be so important. And it's so tough when you don't have anyone. You know, Finnegan had a decent year last year, but he's still figuring things out himself. So, you know, I'm still optimistic. We've still got a lot of young guys I'm excited to see. But pitching-wise, you know, when you don't have any starting pitchers, that that's tough to – that puts a strain on your bullpen. Um you know, your offense has to score a ton of runs each night. So as optimistic as I was feeling about the Reds, which wasn't much after all these injuries, you know, I'm hoping that DiSclefani, it's not a Tommy John surgery situation. But Homer's, Bailey's already out until June. So it's it's definitely off the mark for the Reds start, starting to the season this year. So, you know, this probably is towards the end of our rebuilding efforts, hopefully. You know, we could get those guys back in healthy middle of the year, end of the year, and then see what the young guys can do and then come back next year really ready to make that next jump. But injuries are a bummer in baseball. The Reds aren't the only team that have experienced uh, these injuries, especially to pitchers. But it's just a shame. Every year it's the same. You know, every team to a certain extent deals with that. But it's a shame. It is. Yeah, it makes me uh, sad that you're already talking about next season when this season <laughs> hasn't actually even started yeah, yet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm still like this. This season is going to be interesting in that the young the young players are going to get to play a lot. They're just gonna they're gonna struggle. So it'll be fun to watch them, but I I have zero, you know, idea or expectation that they're going to experience a ton of success this year, and that's okay. That's expectations is almost half the battle when it becomes a disappointment. So I'm excited. I'm, I'll be rooting for the young guys to do well. But it's a tough transition. Major League Baseball is hard. So they just got <clears> to <throat> keep their confidence up and learn from their mistakes and get better. But that's the uh, that's the state of my 
That's that's the state of my favorite team. So I don't know if you still have hope in yours, but uh, not really. To be to be honest. Um, but it's nice. I mean, honestly, it's a bit refreshing to go into a season without expectations for the Tigers. You know, because my expectations have been met with nothing but failure for the last 10 years, 12 years. Yeah, they had a good run, but not not coming out of it with the World Series is definitely tough. Especially when yeah. they got there twice. Yeah, let's move on. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's more than... Uh, the Reds can say we have yet we didn't even win a playoff series in that in that time, but yeah, it'll be interesting for the the Tigers this year to see yeah what they end up doing, you know how bad they end up being, or if they actually can compete. You know they they could compete within that division that's bad outside of the Indians, but you still have some pretty good hitters on your team, which help. Yeah, I mean, we'll see we'll see what they do. Um I mean, they could they could fight for a wild card spot. They can wind up being sellers at the trade deadline. Um it just depends. I mean, Mike Gillich is has passed away. Um so obviously the ownership has, you know, changed and we'll just yeah, we'll see what the GM and the coach decide to do and how the season pans out, but I am not I am not betting or even hoping on a playoff slash pennant run. It's just not really uh it doesn't it doesn't make sense based on, on what other teams have. So you know, whatever. You just have to enjoy watching yeah, maybe your young guys, Michael Fulmer, some of the other guys come up. Hopefully they do well. Yeah, and it's not like the Tigers are without talent, it's just there are other teams that have more. So we shall see. All right. Strike two, sir. So Columbia cleared the bench. What's going on with that? <laughs> this, uh, we, we'll have a link in the show notes for this one because it's ridiculous. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The game is tied three to three. And uh, Columbia is playing uh, the Dominican Republic. And the batter, who I can't remember, lines out to left field where Jose Bautista is playing, and he's able to run to the ball. You know, it's one of those short liners, so he can he's got a full head of steam, and then rips the ball to home plate. And his throw actually takes the catcher into the base path, which turned out to be great. And the catcher tags the runner out like three feet in front of home plate, and the umpire calls him out, and then the entire Colombian bench empties onto the field and surrounds the umpire and starts screaming at him because clearly our guy was safe, even though he got tagged out three or four feet in front of home plate. It, it's, it's hysterical. And what's even funnier is they go on to extra innings and Dominican Republic beats Columbia 10 to three. They scored seven runs in the 11th inning. You know why they did, right? Uh, I do not know. I'm sure this, this makes the story. Even You're going to love this, but. An international rule, starting in the 11th inning, uh, there, are, there are runners placed at first and second at the beginning, That's a, at the beginning of the inning. Se- seriously? <laughs> yep. They just spot you two base runners? Yeah, so each team gets two base runners to start the inning. That's a terrible idea. 
Well, I mean, really? Yeah. What if the game goes like 20 innings, though? That's what baseball is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you about this one, but it does. It does speed the game up. That's for sure. Oh, that's not. That's that's. I feel like that's a a bastardization of baseball. If I can use that word, baseball. Major League Baseball has talked about experimenting in the minors with starting. I think it's a runner on first or second. Don't uh, do it. And extra Don't innings. And yes, it has been vehemently protested just even being talked about and i i would be very i would be shocked if that ever happens that would be that would, that would cause a monumental seismic eruption of you were talking about a, a sport of tradition and that would just destroy you know any of the traditions or records that have been established for well over 100 years well, and I see it this way, like the NHL does three on three in overtime, which I think is kind of cheating, you know, and soccer winds up in penalties, which I think is stupid. But I almost feel like you should not change the overtime rules whatsoever as punishment to the players who couldn't get the job done in regulation. And so for fans, it's, ooh, it's free baseball, it's free hockey, it's free soccer. We get to see more than we bought. But for the players, it's like, this is your own making. You couldn't figure it out. You couldn't get the game decided. So now, especially in baseball's case, you're going to play until someone wins, and we're not going to spot you a single uh, advantage. We're going to play the game the way it was meant to be played, and if it takes 34 innings, by golly, your third baseman's going to wind up pitching the last three innings. Like, I, I don't understand why. They're like, well, we're going to play nine, but, you know, after, you know, after... 11 we're just going to spot you runners because we all just want to go home like i get that it's better for television and that sort of stuff but i don't understand why they're just like and we're just going to drastically change the rules of the game because then the winner that's determined isn't determined by the rules of the game it's determined by changes to the rules of the game which to me is like not a winner you won this fake baseball game but you never finished the real baseball game I, i don't get it I agree 100%. Good. <laughs> <laughs> no argument here. Uh, I'm going to call an audible here and go with a strike three. Okay. The U.S. is currently still winning 7 nothing over Canada, so I feel like we can call that one uh, done. The U.S. is going to win, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a uh, uh, Canadian sympathizer. Uh, I hope the NSA is not listening. Um, <laughs> They're already coming after me. But Oh, really? For my Canadian comment earlier. Who are the Canadians? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Oh, well, we can. I'll balance your anti-Canadian out with my pro-Canadian. Um but anyways, yeah, the U.S. is up 7 nothing, so we're going to call that strike three. And with that, uh, what's the count has come to a uh, successful end. Today we salute you, Mr. Overzealous Foulball Catcher. Mr. Overzealous Foulball Catcher. All right, main topic tonight. So we're going to cover some of the uh, some of our top starting rotations and bullpens uh, for this coming year in baseball as we have um, 
looked over our you know teams we did this last year as well and to see who we predict will have yeah the most dominant uh, pitchers in the game this coming year <clears throat> so in doing this exercise I was having a little bit of deja vu because I feel like a lot of the teams are similar because a lot of the players are similar um, even even if they have switched teams a little bit um, for both of them I feel like my lists were this um, yeah pretty similar to last year which says that they were pretty on point which I will take so do you want to start off with your uh, starting rotation, some of the teams that stuck out to you? Yeah, not really, because of the team I have at the top of my list. <laughs> um, that would be the Cleveland Indians. And uh, this, to me, is um, a sign of my humility, Nick, that I'm willing to admit that Cleveland has uh, what I believe to be probably the best starting rotation in all of baseball. I appreciate your objectivity. Yeah, it's not easy. I'm I'm probably going to cry about it later. Um, but yeah, I mean you've got just their their 1 to 5 is solid. And I don't think anyone could disagree with that. Yeah, I think a lot of that <clears throat> they were my number 2. I think a lot of it will just depend on inter- or injuries because every single person in that rotation has dealt with injuries. But when they are, we're for the sake of this exercise, we are trying to, yeah, we're assuming that these players will be at their best, non-injured. So I would obviously agree with you that they have <clears throat> one of the more talented rotations in baseball. When you look at Kluber and Carrasco and Salazar, who all have ace type stuff some will locate better than others um then if you know bauer and tomlin who both you know those pitchers were pretty active in the the indians postseason run last year so yeah they um the indians just with their starters and you know they still have a strong bullpen just when you look at the overall staff they are definitely in the top three of pitching staffs in all baseball you just got to hope that they all stay healthy yeah, and that's, as you said, that's what I'm assuming. Uh, you can't ever predict injuries, um, and you can't ever predict pitchers just performing incredibly under um, their skill set. So uh, I went with Cleveland, and then I have here in quick succession uh, Red Sox, Cubs, Mets, and Nationals uh, is my top five. Um, the Red Sox, to me, stand out. Obviously, they got Chris Sale. Um, David Price is he's an interesting guy as far as um performance is concerned. Uh Rick Porcello on the Cy Young. Um and now the Red Sox could be really, really good if Sale pitches, if uh Price isn't really injured and pitches well, and if Porcello stays at the level he's at. Now, if Price is hurt or pitches like he did in the first half of last season and Porcello comes back down to earth, then you can probably knock the Red Sox down to fourth or fifth. Um, the Cubs obviously are strong with Lester, Arietta, Hendricks, Lackey, and Montgomery. Um, and then the Mets, again, injuries here being a huge concern. Uh, is Syndergaard's elbow going to explode at some point? Probably. Could it be this year? Probably. <laughs> uh, is, Matt, is, is Matt Harvey going to uh, be the pitcher that everyone thinks he can be, or is he going to 
is he going to continue to just enjoy living in New York and pitching mediocrely? I don't know. He's um, Batman. He's and Batman then, and job on the side. So, well, he he he's not Batman. He's too chubby to be Batman. Um, and then the Nationals, obviously, Max Scherzer is a known commodity. Uh, Strasburg is kind of fragile. Um, so, you know, we'll just see if Gio Gonzalez is there, obviously, as well. Um, so we'll see. There's just. There, it, there's a lot of what ifs as far as injuries are concerned, but I feel like these five teams at least have a solid one-two punch that other teams don't have, and on top of that, the top teams have a a stronger three, four, and five than anyone else. Uh, and it was kind of a struggle to find the fifth team, to be honest, in in my list. Yeah, we kind of talked about this. Well, I mean, first of all, you're you're definitely a genius because we came up with the exact same list that I did. Uh, in different orders. Different orders, Thank but you. yeah, and we kind of <laughs> talked about even looking at these lists. I think outside of even the the Cubs and Indians, you know, we the Nationals, Mets, and Red Sox all have really good one twos, um, and the Red Sox arguably a one two three, depending on Price's health, which I'll get into. But you know, at their four fives, there's definitely question marks there, and we're talking about the best rotations in baseball, so. You know, pitching is just a huge question mark. I think, you know, there'll definitely be other teams that rise up and have really good years uh, starting pitching wise, but it's just really hard to predict because a lot of that depends on injuries and then just people breaking out that you can't really expect. So, yeah, we will we'll definitely see. I, I went with the Cubs, number one. So, again, as being objective as I can, as hard as that makes, you know, as difficult as that was for me to say, they do. I think they have the best one through five in all baseball. You know, having Lester and Arietta as a one-two punch, both both guys who threw, you know, pretty much 200 innings last year um, with great ERA. You know, Lester had a 2.44 ERA, one whip, 26 quality starts, and 32. So 26 out of 32 of his starts were quality starts. Arietta was a little bit more inconsistent last year, had a little bit higher ERA of, you know, just over three, which is still great. Um, and then Hendricks, you know, a 2.13 ERA and right at the top there for the NL Cy Young. And then you got John Lackey as your number four, who can throw 200 innings at a low three ERA, um, low whip clip. And then Mark Mac- Mike Montgomery is a guy they traded for last year. It was in their bullpen, but I think he's going to be their number five. But he ended the year last year with a 2.5 ERA. So every single person in their staff is, you know, three or under. <clears throat> and they all, they can all, they all seem to be pretty durable. Um, they've stayed healthy. And that's just unfair with the offense that they have. I'm not going to lie. So we'll see. I mean, injuries could strike at any time. But, again, the Cubs are going to be very strong. And the Nationals, yeah, that that one-two punch of Scherzer and Strasburg. Scherzer is just an ace. 284 strikeouts last year, just amazing. Um, Strasburg is just going to be, is he going to stay healthy? Roark had a really underrated year last year. Um, and I think if he keeps that up, that's going to really help them this year as well. And then Joe Ross, that was a guy that I really liked going into last year, but he had a lot of injury injury struggles last year and only threw 100 innings <clears throat> which was tough and then 
Gio Gonzalez, I think, is more name than anything right now. Um, a 4.57 ERA last year, 1.34 whip, not very good. So we'll see if he can rebound. But um, I think just on Strasburg, Scherzer, and if Roark and Ross can, if Roark can keep up what he did last year and Ross can stay healthy, that's a big reason why I <clears throat> put them at number three. And I went the Mets at four. A huge reason is just because of Syndergaard and DeGrom. Just because I, in a two, you know, if I could pick two starting pitchers, young starting pitchers to start a baseball team with, I would have a very hard time. Well, I would definitely pick Syndergaard, but then DeGrom would as well. Is just a very impressive and good pitcher. Um, and then, yeah, I think the big wild cards for the Mets are Harvey and Mats, and if they can stay healthy or not, which at this point it's tough to be confident in that. Um, and then they have Seth Lugo and Robert Gesellman, who are, there's a couple guys that could come out of the woodwork this year, and I'm really impressed. And then I put the Red Sox at five, and the, the only reason I did this is with the caveat that I don't think David Price is going to do much this year. I mean, at this point, I don't have much information, but he's been shut down with forearm tightness, which is the dreaded Tommy John precursor. So he's had a couple of opinions, and they don't think that um, surgery is likely at this point, but it's just that's a scary thing where he's going to miss all of spring training and he's not going to pitch till you know, later on in the year. So just how effective is he going to be? But, you know, you do have Chris Sale there um, who, you know, he had a good year last year, 3.3 ERA, nothing amazing. But he did throw a lot of innings, which is always a good thing. And then you got Porcello, Cy Young winner, which is I still can't believe that that happened. But outside of that, I mean, Pomerantz is a big question mark. Stephen Wright's a big question mark, so we'll see. So they, they just had more question marks than I was comfortable giving them a top three in my starting pitching ranks. But if everything comes together, talent-wise, I mean, the Red Sox are right up there with the Cubs. Um, so, I mean, if they if everything goes like it should, you know, I think you maybe it was you that picked the Red Sox-Cubs World Series. I could very easily see that happening. We shall see. So, but yeah, starting rotations. Those are our top five. We'll, like we said, I think there's always every year there's always a young pitcher that I think busts out, and you know no, no one's really talked about much. So I'm excited to see who that is this year. And then there will be the inevitable injuries that we'll have to deal with. But at this point in time, those are you know kind of who we thought the top the top turning or top starting rotations would be. Indeed. Shall we move to the back end of the game now? Sounds good. Bullpens. All right. Um, here, it seems as if we were slightly on the same track yet again. Uh, my top bullpen is the Yankees because I feel like Chapman and Betances is just unfair. Then you add in anyone else they have. My grandmother, perhaps. <laughs> um, it's... That's that's a lot. I mean, if if they can get to the seventh inning, they have the potential to shut anybody down. Absolutely. Then, uh, of course, the Indians, Andrew Miller, uh, Allen and Shaw as well. Um, I assume Andrew Miller is going to bounce back from giving up those runs against the DR. 
uh, and be just fine again this year. And by just fine, I mean probably one of the most dominant pitchers in the game. Now he's just angry, so he's going to come back even Yeah, on. well, just lots of ex-Tigers in this list that play for other teams. It's Fun great. fact, do you know who the manager of the U.S. is, the U.S. team? Yeah, it's Jim Leland, isn't it? Yeah. So he uh, he came out and pulled him. So <clears throat> it was like going blo- uh, a blast from the past for Leland probably when Miller was really young and on the Tigers. I just want to know why he's not coaching the Tigers anymore. The young man's game, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, after the Indians, I've got the Cubs. Uh, and again, that is predicated on Wade Davis being healthy, which we're assuming. Um, and then uh, I've got the Astros, Giles, uh, Gregerson, and Senior Harris. And then uh, I added the Mets here at the very end. Interesting. Why, why did you uh, choose them? Juris Familia, first of all. Let me uh, pull up the rest of their roster real quick. I don't have it memorized. Um, and then Reed and Robles and Blevins. Like, again, at this point, I was trying to find another team that had uh, seven, eight, nine lockdown. I didn't realize. I didn't realize Reed had as good a year as he did last year. Seventy. Neither did I until I started doing some research. Seventy-seven innings, um, ninety-one strikeouts, under two ERA. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I was, you know, after you know the the Astros, I was like, okay, I need to find another team that has a good seven, eight, nine, and then it became really, really hard to find a team that could that could walk guys out in those innings and guarantee that they were going to at least give the other team a really, really, really hard time. And that really isn't the case for a lot of teams. And so I settled on um, the Mets here just because of Familia, Reed, uh, Robles, and um, Blevins. I thought, you know, they're not the best bullpen ever, but if they repeat what they did last year, they could certainly find themselves in the top five at the end of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with the Indians and Yankees. I think you said it well. You have <clears throat> between Andrew Miller, uh Cody Allen for the Indians and then Chapman of Batances for the Yankees, you know, those are those are two like just dominant arms at the end of the bullpen for both of those teams and then they're supplemented well by really good pieces so they can really shorten a game. And then the Cubs, I think even with Davis, I think with uh, Rondon and Strope, those are also two very, very good arms. Um, so yeah, I think that trio, that trio of teams, you know the, the uh, I mean if the Yankees, they're a little bit farther behind position player wise, but I can see why the Cubs and Indians, you know, made it as far as they did when you look at their pitching staffs, um, especially the Indians, their pitching staffs really carrying their hitting. Because there's just a lot of guys on the that play for the Indians and the, even in the outfield that just aren't to the Cubs level. But yeah, he shows you what pitching can do in a series like that. So I want the Astros as well. They're my number five uh, because I think Giles is going to come back and be. He had a little bit of a down year last year, but I think he's going to be dominant um, this year. And um, yeah, like he was with the, when he was with the Phillies. I chose the Cardinals as my. Bull, or my fourth bullpen um, 
whereas you chose the Mets. And a big reason why I did was just because of the final boss, Sang Juan Ho, uh, just how good of a year he had when he finally took over the closer's role from Rosenthal. Um, 80 innings, 100, over 100 strikeouts, under two ERA, under one whip. And then they they have Sechrist as a setup guy, left lefty reliever. And then they brought in Brett Cecil. They gave him a bunch of money. Um, he pitched for the Blue Jays last year. And the Cardinals are always a team that they seem to find some good young arms to plug in there um, with their the double magic that they use. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was similar to you. I tried to look at, you know, the bullpens need to have a couple top-notch arms to be considered, which I think all these five do, but that I think they're supplemented well. But again, I think with as volatile as this is, I could see I would not be surprised if, you know, I would be surprised if the Yankees, Indians, and Cubs bullpens were terrible, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if there's an injury here with the Cardinals or Astros and, you know, things don't go as well as we expected. But, yeah, it's interesting to see how that will play out this year. But it's uh, nice to know we're kind of mostly on the same page here. Well, and I think it's indicative of the teams that have been the best teams in baseball over the last little you know, time span here, Cleveland, Boston, Chicago, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of Boston, totally blowing it in the first round of the playoffs last year, they had an incredible regular season. They've got a ton of young talent. You can say the same about Cleveland as far as pitching is concerned. Obviously, you know, they have guys like Lonnie Chisenhall that could probably be replaced by better players uh, in the field. Um, And then obviously the Cubs are stacked in every possible category. Mm -hmm. Um, but it makes sense that the teams that have made it to uh, the top of the mountain, as far as you know, playoffs are concerned, uh, are reflected here in the starting rotations in the bullpens. Like that just makes sense. And I almost put the Red Sox bullpen in here, but uh, just they didn't quite have the the strength. I feel like that's their biggest weakness. And it's because Dombrowski. Is managing is their manager <laughs> or the general exactly? <laughs> and you don't trust him Who to build a pitching when we can put more. Yeah, not at all, not at all. No, I agree with you there. Well, cool. Um, I think next week the plan is we'll look at the uh, the lineups and who we feel like uh, brings the the best one through eight um, in in baseball. So be interesting to see. Yeah, how similar or different that we are next week and then two weeks two weeks we have our our big fantasy draft indeed i'm excited yeah it should be fun we gotta keepers are doing a week so we gotta gotta start thinking about that yeah i should probably get on that (laughs) all right well until next time we'll talk to you later bye that's good have a good week